Today's scripture is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Megan. Good evening, everyone. All right. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. I'm glad we can be here together and uh, hello online. I want to say good morning or good afternoon to you. Um, and uh, I want to let y- all of you know and, and at home and if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I stutter. Um, it'll come in and out as I, as I go and so I just want to make sure we all know what that is. And um, also if you're new, I'm just glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. You heard earlier from Cody. Um, yeah, just how to get plugged in. We'd love to connect with you. That's, that's somewhat of a theme we'll talk about this evening, is just our need for community. And um, uh, I also want to say, so we're going to continue in our series this evening in countercultural convictions. We normally walk through books of the Bible, kind of, kind of walking through a whole book, and um, we've been doing that with John, and then we've hit pause a few times and um, either gone to other books of the Bible or right now in a series like this, we're walking through countercultural convictions. And um, I think especially with this one we're talking about tonight um, regarding sex, uh, it's going to be important that we understand what we mean by even how we counter culture. I do want to, again, just kind of put it out there for the parents um, that uh, you might want to have a little code or something uh, to just, I, I can't promise to say earmuffs every time. <laughs> um, so uh, just you can distract your kids or whatever if you want. Uh, in full disclosure and um, honesty, uh, I, my kids who are 14 and 9, I would totally, um, they are going to be here l- later and I'm glad and they're going to, we're going to talk through these things. But we are going to be uh, explicit, not in that, but in terms of honest and clear. Um, and uh, as we engage this subject that everyone else in the world is, talking about, um, it's, it's important that we be able to do that here and that we understand what God says and how, uh, who we are and what we do is shaped by, by him. And, um, and so again, I just want to kind of put that out there and, and let, let you all know. And also, uh, we're, we're going to take our time, uh, throughout this whole series. We've, we've done that, but especially again, in this, in this, um, subject, we're going to give some space to just press in and walk through this together. So, um, to, to kick off our time, let's go ahead and, and, um, and pray. Um, but I, I also want to, again, just let us know, to kind of set the framework. Um, how are we going to talk about this? What does it look like to talk about sex and to talk about countering culture, having countercultural convictions regarding sex? And it's been done all sorts of different ways by the church, which we'll talk about some uh, this evening. But um, the primary way is this, is we believe that Scripture tells a better story. And as we talk about sex, both who we are and what we do, um, we're understanding that it's much more about image to bear than rules to follow. Okay, so that's the framework and the expectation that I have and that uh, we're going to ask God to really oversee uh, our time together through. So let's pray together. Lord, um, thank you for this evening. Um, I, uh, I, I come, as we do every week, um, really aware of um, our, our need for you. Lord, I come with a, a, an, an even more um, clear understanding of my desperate need for you. Lord, your precious children are, are here in this room. And um, as someone earlier prayed, just sex is, has been so diminished and talked about so 
frivolously, and yet the impact on us, again, on your children, your daughters, and your sons is massive. And, And Lord, I do pray that by your Holy Spirit, and most clearly, Lord, through your word, um, through your shepherding of us, um, Lord, that, that, that you will um, heal and, and even reignite uh, hope and, and joy and excitement about what it means to um, be created in, in your image and, and to live all of life for your glory and others' good and our joy. Um, Lord, have your way with us. In, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, one uh, article, um, this guy Alex Duke uh, invites a question, and he says, imagine, okay, so kind of get our Im- imaginations here going, he says, imagine that nothing that is in existence was actually in existence, nothing that was created, okay, what is that? It's everything. But try to expand our minds for a moment and think, what would be left just think of your own life, your, from your physical body to things you use to stuff that you write, stuff we don't see, we breathe, you know, there are molecules and different things, now I'm way out of my league here, but you know, there all this, you know, there are little parasites and all this stuff, but then just, you know, whole, they, they come together and make objects and different stuff. None of it exists. Is anything left? What's left? Because there is something. Scripture tells us that there is love. Okay, in the beginning, God. We're told in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So where we start, again, as we talk about sex, we understand we're talking about um, image bearing. And that's because God created us, as we just heard in Genesis chapter one, he created us male and female. Why? To bear his image to reflect him. Well, what does that mean? Who is God? God is love. Has that phrase, has that term not been hijacked, right? And not been just taken and run with. Now, before I I, um, keep going here, I I actually forgot to to share with you um, a list of resources. If you want to throw that up there, maybe get out your phone, take a picture, or... um, send, uh, or it'll be in the email, in the midweek email, we'll have some links you can, and uh, there is a lot out there on sex, on, uh, on, on what it means as Christians, and uh, to, to engage with, and live out sex, and marriage, and talking with our kids, all sorts of things. These are a few, this is a drop in the bucket, but some of the things that I've poured over and authors and podcasts and different things, um, there are a few for you to, to look at. And again, many, many more. Um, so that's that. And now though, as we, again, get into our time and we kind of switch gears, this isn't gonna be just like lo- last week. This isn't as, an, as a kind of false humility disclaimer, but it's, again, what can we do and what do we need to do is we are, are, are people in this room right now, again, children of God, image bearers of God, living out a story. Whether we know it or not, our lives, every one of our lives is a story or a narrative. We're, we're living according to some truth. There's, there's some, some purpose, there are obstacles, right? Protagonists, antagonists, heroes, author. There's a direction we're going. We're all living according to some story, and it's a part of the greater story. The Bible, the scripture is a story. And so what we do is we enter this massive subject of sex is again, we look at and understand how does it fit into the story? Because we have all, this is uh, my assumption here, the, the brokenness that we sit in, in this room and in our culture and our families, is that we have all um, settled for a massively diminished understanding of sex and how sex is to be lived out in relationships. We've settled. Our culture broadly has settled. It's so much more. Look at what um, Rebecca McLaughlin says. And um, there's a smaller book that she wrote, which I read. And then there's also a 
bigger one, which I looked at. Um, but here's what she says. Photography negatives point to something bigger. Now, pause there for a moment because we have a younger crowd in here. Some of you have no idea what that even is. Some of us remember the day when we'd get, you know, mom or dad's or our own camera, either a, a disposable one or like a one that, you know, was bigger and clunkier, and you'd take pictures and have no idea how it was going to come out until you took it to the store, usually a ph pharmacy for some reason. I don't know where that, how that fit, big pharma, it's their fault. But right, how pharmacy, sorry. Don't stay with me. I'm sorry. Keep going. Um, but how 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 pictures relate with pharmacy? So anyway, you'd go there, you'd drop off your film, and then you'd get it. You can still do this, by the way, today. But like very few people under 80 do it. But you drop off film, and then you get it back in an in an envelope, and you you get the envelope and. And open up and you look at your pictures. And that's where you see, wow, that person, when they sneezed while taking a picture, like it didn't come out right. And you get pictures with, you know, heads cut off and all kinds of craziness. None of these. Uh, this wasn't a thing, right? And so anyway, so that said, you'd get the pictures and you'd open up and you'd look at these little kind of brownish things that were the negatives. So that's what she's referring to here, okay? So consider yourself educated. Hopefully you learn a lot more than that, but if nothing else, <laughs> you're welcome. Okay, too often, when Christians look at what the Bible has to say about sexuality, we only see the negatives. We see the sexual boundaries we can't cross, and we clutch to the little monochrome of human marriage to our hearts as if it were the ultimate thing. We miss that in the Bible, this tiny negative is developed into a stunning wall-sized print. To see that bigger, brighter, much more beautiful vision, we must soak in a river, the river of God's passionate love for us that starts in Genesis, swells through the prophets, bursts its bands in the gospels, and becomes a mighty flood in Revelation. That's a really poetic and helpful way of understanding, again, the story of Scripture. A love story. A God who is love, who created you and me, man and woman, male and female, in his image, to bear his image. But again, we have settled for such a low view of sex in our broken world. But sex, both who we are and what we do is a gift from God given to point to something much bigger. So with that, we need to understand where we are. We need to kind of peel back a bit of the brokenness in the world that we're in. And I'm going to walk through some things that are, and, and I use the word of diminished. Okay, we're going to look at how we have settled for diminished sex how we've settled for diminished beauty. And then within that, we're going to look at how, how, how we, we're going to spend a lot of time there. And then we're going to look at how we've diminished singleness. Okay, and then um, we'll walk through, like we did the, a couple weeks ago, the four um, different po postures that the church has typically taken toward broader culture to kind of look through that lens of how have we had those different postures regarding sex, um, and then we'll bring it home, okay? So that's where we're headed, and again, um, kind of get, get, get into it. We have diminished love, and we've done this by, um, again, diminishing sex. So even there, I just know where I'm coming from is that when I talk about sex right now, I'm referring to both who we are, right? We are sexed beings, our biography Okay, who, who we are as sexed beings, men and women, male and female. We talked about this a lot last week. Who we are, okay, a noun, and what we do. Sex is a v v verb, what we do. 
And it's given, as I said earlier, as we looked at in Genesis chapter 1, this, these last three weeks, that's been our kind of launching out of verse, has been is Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, that we, we start there, we start at this beautiful Hebrew poem of God, who is love, creating, right? He created us in his image, and he gave a cultural mandate, and he, he said, you are sexed beings, male and female, now go, be fruitful and multiply about what you do, the, the verb of sex. And we have settled for such a diminished view of sex. To us, it's primarily talking about personal pleasure and self-expression. Primarily when we talk about sex, that's what we mean. And I'll get into more of the kind of specifics as we go, but let's just acknowledge that with that, just even there, right? If sex in itself is about personal pleasure and, um, and self-expression, which is the, the, the broader culture's approach and broader culture's version, it always leaves you wanting. It never fails to fail. There, there, no matter the, the approach, there's always, there is, is a billion upon billion dollar industry. Okay, what, what used to be uh, sufficient or sold itself as sufficient in the 50s, wasn't enough, had to get more creative, 60s, 70s, 80s, right now, the types of pornography just is unending. It, it's, it never fails to fail. The, 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 the what you need to do, take this pill, do this exercise, read this article, watch this video, do this thing, and then you'll be, and, and how are there new ones? It's like if you listen to the first one, then why are there like a million others after it? But, but again, we have so, we swim in such polluted waters of diminished sex that we just assume we're missing out, right? We think, especially as Christians, let's be honest, that we're kind of stuck back here in the timeout box, right? Obeying all the rules while everyone else is out there having fun, and it's just, it's a lie. But those are the polluted waters that we live in. And we, we just, we've kind of accepted it. It's so much smaller, more diminished than what God has in mind in creating. Again, it's, it's about bearing an image. So when we think of sex, who we are and what we do, it's absolutely necessary that we bring it under the light of God's intention, that we are reflecting him, that we're a part of a greater story. Like that quote that I read earlier, sex is about so much more than just pleasure and preference and expression. It's not less than that, but it's so, so much more. And we have, again, settled for diminished sex and diminished beauty. Um, Josh Butler, he's a pastor at Redemption Tempe. I mentioned him last week as well. Um, I would highly recommend um, listening to his sermon on this exact subject. Um, it's all heady on YouTube. Don't do it now, or if you do, at least like put headphones in. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's really good. And he's actually written a book that's not out yet. And, I, and I, I, I lean heavily on him and on some of his incredible work as he's understanding this. But um, he talks about this reality of, 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 um, of, di of diversity in union. Okay, apparent that sex in and of itself, and it's very, again, who we are and what we do, that sex is, is God expressing himself, is God, is God reflecting himself um, through, through sex, and primarily through diversity in union. Okay, so hang with me for a mo moment. This might seem lofty or academic, but it's not. It's necessary. It's fundamental. When God says, create man in our image, okay, God is diverse within himself. Again, God is three in one. That's, that is not easy to understand, but it's true. God is a trinity, and God is one. God um, is transcendent and imminent. He is high and lifted, unable to be fathomed and yet 
present and close and touchable, both true at the same time. In Jesus, we see, right, God in the flesh, God incarnate. We see God and man, right? We, we, we have God and man together, creator and creation embodied together, judge and sacrifice, lion and lamb, one body with many parts, right? God is diversity in union within himself, and he created the world as diversity in union. This is where Josh especially just breaks it down really well. And I, and, but imagine with me, right, where we have this diversity in union that when God creates, you see, what does he do? There's, there's this place where, where diversity is unified, where land and sea come together. There's this article or this quote that he, that he quotes in this idea there, right? What is the most populated part of the entire world? The, the coasts. No matter where you are, every country, wherever it is, the coast, right? There's something beautiful there as land and sea come together. Again, diversity in union. Heaven and earth, right? M mountains. How much of the scriptures are full of this understanding of God meeting with his people on the mountain. There's even the temple is on a temple mount. There's this beautiful picture and imagery that's far bigger than we are. That's, that, is, that is God meeting us, right? You have mountain and sky coming together. You have day and night. Again, there's this, this incredible image. What's, what, are, what do we brag about most here in Tucson? Yes, our incredible Mexican food and all kinds of other things and cultures, but some of, one of the best is our sunrises and sunsets, right? The same place, like go up on Tumamac or go up on a mountain at, uh, at, at noon and then go back up there that same day, five and a half hours later. It's packed. Go up there at noon, it's hot and sweaty and no one's really there except for kids up to no good. No, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's very different, right? You go up there, it's hot, there's, but you go up there in the morning, right? Tumamak Hill, it's beautiful, it's hard, it's difficult, but you get up there and you, there's a reward. You see, right? There's something beautiful. God has chosen to reveal himself through his creation, through diversity in union, but we have diminished what God intended to be good, what God intended to be a reflection of himself, specifically now through sex, with both diversity and union, we have diminished sex by diminishing diversity. So just press in here for a moment with me. God intended sex to be an expression of his diversity in union. When we diminish diversity in different ways, by isolated sex, even in among married couples. Again, if it's about personal pleasure and self-expression, it's about self. It's about individuals. Again, we're swimming in these waters. Some of us don't even know, but our approach, our view, I, as I talk to couples with pre-marriage and marriage counseling, how much of selfishness and self-focus has just been just we've assumed it we've taken it on we operate in that way with regard to our view and our approach to sex focused on one person in any way is a diminishing of what god created and gave to be diverse specifically now i'll go there i think it's important an example again i talked earlier about pornography specifically masturbation is, 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 is the clearest, perhaps one of the clearest expressions of isolation, of, of, of self-focus, of no recognition of diversity. And I'm going to, again, go there for a moment. I want to just even encourage parents, and some of you might be kind of surprised that I even said the M word, like here in church. We've got to say that kind of thing. My, my own story, I grew up in a, in a house, in a family that talked about everything, like at a really young age, everything was 
open and talked about and it was just out there and it was a non-Christian family. And then as I was a sophomore in high school in the Arkansas, in the Bible Belt, and I went to a, a lot of people were Christians and I was out on a trip with school and we were there and our, our one of the teachers who himself was a Christian, we got into a conversation about masturbation, and we're all talking, well, is it a sin, and what, what's the place for it, and where should it be, and all this stuff, and there was, there was, and, 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 and I, growing up in a non-Christian family, I remember was kind of on an island, and just thought, it just doesn't, just think the way we're just assuming it, just kind of taking it on, it's like, yeah, everyone, you know, you got to do it, it's natural, you got to let, let, you know, you got to be released, you know, release tension for man and woman. And it's just, of course, like, what are you going to do? I've talked to adult, you know, men who think the same thing, like, of course, like, of course we would. It's not even a question. Like, we're, we're uh, enlightened human beings. And so I pressed in, I, and I had a friend, one who was there, whose dad was a pastor. And I rem- remember asking my friend, you know, hey, can we talk with your d- dad about this? Um, he was like, no way. <laughs> are you crazy? We are not talking to my dad about masturbation. And here I am, like from, I'm like, dude, we could talk to my dad, but I don't think it's going to be as helpful. Like, we could call him up in a hot second, like, praise God for my dad. There was, I could talk to him about anything, but especially, he didn't know the Lord. He worked construction. Uh, Not that you can't, you know, but I mean, he would tell me anything, but, but, Again, even there, this picture of like, okay, so the church, I can't learn about this question that we're all talking about, but everywhere else, in the locker room I can, and everywhere else I can, that's broken. But just bringing it back home, as I think about it, as I've pressed in, this assumption we have, oh, you know, there's no acknowledgement of, of God's design, of God's plan. I believe, and this might be a hot take, or I've been listening to a lot of sports talk radio lately, um, I do believe that, that, that masturbation, especially under the assumption of just self-freedom and release and taking care of yourself, whether you're not married or you are married, I believe is a diminishing, a distortion of sex. Within marriage and conversation, all that, we can talk about that. That's, I think, different, and you can, those things. But as an isolated entitlement, of personal release. It's, it's, it's the opposite of diversity in union. It's isolation. Now, um, as we talk to our kids, and even in here, I also want to acknowledge this has become just this massive source of shame. That's what led my friend to be like, no way in the world are we talking to my dad about that. Are you kidding me? Like, that's what you know, 14-year-old boys do in the, clo- in the dark room, and you don't talk about it. And you, no, it should be, there should be, fr- like, God's grace, God's goodness, his creativity, his design, his, it should lead us to be able to talk as dads and sons and moms and daughters and families and brothers, brothers in Christ. Like, there's, so I, as, even as I bring it up, I, 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 I hope and pray there's not this shame but at the same time, I hope there's an intentionality, a purpose that we've just assumed and accepted a diminished view. And now perhaps maybe most, uh, I don't know, most um, maybe controversially, homosexuality, um, same-sex sex is um, a distortion of diversity. with what God created to be an expression of diversity in union, same-sex sex, sex, okay, sex with someone from the same sex, is a diminishing of what God created and designed to be a reflection of himself. There's no diversity. I, I believe, too, that we've settled for a conversation that's about preference and things like that, and we've not, that, when, that God is talking about uh, um, ontology, who we are, our, our being. And again, I want to acknowledge here, we'll get there in a bit, but as we talk about how the church has just had really broken approaches, 
um, we've, and we'll, with how we address singleness, how we've put certain sins and certain approaches to life in acceptable categories and then a few others in unacceptable categories and, and the way we've typically talked about same-sex attraction, um, the way we, we, it's like that's been put on its, on its own island and, and just treated so horribly and with visceral and come on, um, hypocrisy. There are people, uh, have been, who have incredible levels of sexual integrity and purity who are same-sex attracted who, 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 who are honoring God and loving their neighbor in, in incredibly well, way, ways that we all need to learn from, but then heterosexual expressions of sexuality and lust and, and acting on is, is, is broken. And we just look the other way or just kind of, you know, we get in these groups that we call accountability groups, but they're kind of just like, mutual, dysfunctional, permissive groups, like, hey, everyone's, hey, yeah, you know, me too, man. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up, because I did too, and now we can both kind of give each other a back rub and high five and then go and just feel okay about it. But, but then the way we've treated and talked about, again, uh, same-sex attraction has been so broken. Again, just put this out there, it might be a hot take. I'm not a biologist, not a scientist. We have some here. Um, I totally believe um, am convinced that, that because sin, as we talked about the two weeks ago, has affected and infected everything, everything can be informed, even from birth, from conception. We are, we are born into sin and brought together out of all of us. And the fact that we have isolated in the church is, I think, laughably a pr- in, in a cringy, broken, sad, tragic way, tried to gotten so focused on, no, you can't be born. It's all socialization and you can't, you know, all this. It's like, man, everything we can have, we are, we are prone to wander in, in our, in our nature, in our choice and in all that we do. And so the fact that the church is like, had such a kind of pathetic approach to same-sex attraction has just left us in this really, really unhelpful place. And again, I would say really hypocritical and broken place. But if we now come back to Scripture, right, we take our cues from God, from the one who before anything was created is. God is love. What, did, what does God say? Read with me in Romans chapter 1. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their b- bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Now I'm going to read the rest of that in a moment, but pause with me and, and let's acknowledge that the context here, this, well, what they did, what, what they have done is, um, which is all people, and God is r- referring to the effect of, of sin, of not God, is, is the, the core is exchanging the truth of, about God for a lie and worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. Every one of us falls under that category, right? John Calvin says the human heart is a, a fabricator of idols. We constantly Throughout this day, we have all exchanged the creator for created things. So now as he goes on, I'll read, but I just want to say that's the foundation. That's the, that's, we're all in that. And then it goes on. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So I believe two things here that might be unpopular in different contexts. One is I think the scriptures here are clearly teaching that, that again, same-sex sex not just same-sex attraction, 
but same-sex sex, homosexuality acted out is a diminishing of what God created to be an expression of diversity in union. In short, is a sin. And then you know what he goes on to do? Let's, when someone says, well, do you think homosexuality is a sin? I think it's important that we would follow it up with a question of, do I think the whole breadth of our sexuality is sinful? <laughs> yes. I believe this, now this is where this part might be unpopular. What goes on after this is Paul, the author here, goes on to list 21 other sins, including heterosexual and homosexual um, sin, including things like greed, gossip, um, lack of hospitality, um, drunkenness, dishonoring your parents, disobeying your parents. But again, we, I think, have shamefully just hunkered down and, and kind of done some, some exegetical gymnastics and, and, just, and very conveniently focused on a couple things and said, see, it's right here. This is it. I think it is as a part of a greater umbrella. So now as, as we kind of transition, I, I just want to pause though again and, and address us in the room. I know there are some of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, some married, some not married, who walk with same-sex attraction. And I want to tell you that you are in no way a second-class citizen here. You are seen and valued and needed in many ways. You have walked through obedience to Christ in a way that most of us have conveniently ignored have have platformed and elevated um, how we have more shamefully navigated our sexuality because it's just happened to be more acceptable. Um, you are called to holiness. You and I are all called to lay it all down, to die to self and to find life in Christ. And, and, and again, because of what I just said, I think we all have a lot to learn, but I also think it would be presumptuous to be like, oh, just teach us. Hopefully, prayerfully, as we're in real community together, we learn from each other. And I want to say, as it's appropriate and wise and safe, we should be able to share same-sex attraction. And hear from me, for whatever that means, for my position as lead pastor, you're invited and encouraged and welcomed to share any aspect of your journey of following Jesus. Okay, so, so that's, that's um, uh, something that, that we need to see seek in here. And then we've also diminished union. We've diminished diversity. We've diminished union. Now I'll again go off here. How have we diminished union? Sexual promiscuity, um, premarital sex, um, over-sexualization of the world we're in, how we handle Instagram, how we, what we watch on Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and everything else. We, we have, so this is hopefully you see there, we have, I think, way more consistently and corporately diminished God's good gift and what he's given to reflect him through how we handle uh, our, our, our diminishing of not just diversity, but union. Right? How, we, how we interact with sex, premarital sex, all these things, just the way we engage in it, even in some cases, as I said early, within the context of marriage, focusing on self, whether it be masturbation or just, and just totally, honestly here, predominantly, I think in our over-sexualized culture has often been um, men kind of projecting uh, a, fit, you know, a need for and in a place where, where our wives are, are supposed to just fulfill every fantasy and we want to try to like relive a, a pornographic vision within our, our bedrooms. And we're not pressing into and submitting to the union. And then also, I uh, think similarly and connected, divorce. The divorce culture that we live in, just hear me, church, um, I pray this is more of, more of a um, preventative ministry. 
while I acknowledge there are people in here who have experienced divorce, I come from divorces all over my family. Um, I I do want to speak firmly and forcefully and clearly because, again, to be countercultural, we live in a world that just accepts and celebrates. There's a Netflix movie with Kylo Ren. I always forget his Adam Driver. Um, Is that the name? Thank you. That's his, that's his nickname. Kylo Ren is birth name. Um, there's this mo- movie about divorce. They do a pretty good job, but, but it also, it's just so sad and so broken because in the end, it's like, oh, they did the best thing. They still love each other. They love themselves. Self-care, self-fulfillment. Oh, care for the kids. No, what God joined together let no one separate. When Jesus is asked about divorce in Matthew 19, what does he do? He goes back to Genesis 1, to where we were, where we've started out every sermon over this series. He said, listen, no, this is a union, something bound together that you can no longer see where this starts and this ends and where it's, it's we think of it as like the, the nice, neat cutting of a paper. No, divorce is more like the ripping of a limb. You can't tell where tendons that have, have joined together are, are now severed. It's, it's now there's, there's parts of this over here and parts of that over there. And when kids, young kids, talk about divorce, they talk about it in the context of a tearing, a disorienting, like being on a, on a perpetual merry-go-round. It, it's not the way it should be. And it has absolutely permeated the church as well. It's broken and it's sad. It's not the way it should be. And I, I want to again, though, speak to anyone in here from who's experienced divorce. There is hope. There's redemption. There's, there's God making new things out of brokenness. You, you're not a second-class citizen. Um, to anyone who is married here, I will hopefully lovingly and clearly, though, say we will fight for your marriage. There are, we talked about this before, you can look at the sermon, there are biblical reasons for divorce, uh, specifically most often in the context of, of, of um, abuse. Okay, so this, it's, not a, it's not a cage God has given to keep his children, especially historically his daughters trapped in abusive situations. Um, And yet it's also not the frivolous, ununified aspect of life and sex that our culture has kind of embraced, including church. And then lastly, we've diminished singleness. Okay, let me read you this one here from um, Chelsea Erickson. She says this, What if our churches sought to heed Jesus' words and began to debunk the myth of marriage as the ultimate expression of adulthood? What if we cheered on the singles in our communities, encouraging them to treat singleness as the gift that it is portrayed as in the scriptures, instead of assuming that their lives must be unfulfilled or on hold? Our value as Christians is not tied to our relationship status or reproductive ability. It's tied to Christ. Our value as Christians is not tied to our relationship status or reproductive ability. It's tied to Christ. Again, we have just created a culture that we've assumed and we've summoned that is so broken and so distorted and so diminished. If you're a single person in here, I want to encourage you and tell you you're in good company. Jesus gave up the signpost in order to secure the final destination. And you can too. Okay, it is presented in scripture by Paul and by Jesus as a gift. In Matthew 19, when Jesus is talking about divorce and they're like, well, what are you supposed to do? Be single? He's like, well, only for those who can handle it. Only for those who are truly gifted. But for everyone else, I'll give you this kind of, this, this uh, you know, I'll throw, throw, give you a bone. 
It's, uh, and it's, it's not to downplay sexual union, not to downplay marriage. It's beautiful. It's a gift. It's purposeful. But I think we've far overplayed that and underplayed, undervalued singleness. You can be single and still um, not get the appetizer, but get the full course meal. You can skip over the trailer and get to see the full feature film. film. You can forsake the little negatives in the front of the envelope and just sit back and participate in and enjoy the full wall-sized picture. Sex and marriage are meant to point to something bigger. And being single doesn't mean you miss out on what's something bigger. It means that you get to press more deeply into that and you get to skip over those other things that point to it. And both of these authors, um, Chelsea Erickson and um, Rebecca McLaughlin, wrote tons. Like, honestly, one of the hard parts about preaching, can I just, can you humor me for a minute, is leaving like 50 incredible paragraphs on the floor and choosing which one to put up to share. There is so much. These books, these articles, these podcasts are full of beauty. I like weep hearing um, Rebecca McLaughlin, who's married, is also same-sex attracted. And she, in each chapter of her books, she shares about how that informs her life and her marriage and how that informed her singleness. And then um, Chelsea Erickson here, who I just quoted, talks about what it, what it feels like to be at a church and to be, when the people say, what's wrong with all the men in our church? You know, how do, how, do they, you're, you, how do they let you go? You're such a catch. And she's like, oh, kind of, thank you, but also like I'm so much more than that. And you act like I'm just a kind of like passive participant in my life. There, and, and so there's so much more, okay, just to say there to press into. But again, um, if single, w- we need you to be a part of the body. You're a necessary body. Okay, as I land the plane here for us, I want us to again think of what have the church's postures been towards sex, right? One of them has been fortification. Probably many of us, right, think of it in in that realm, like, oh, just keep our kids over here and hide out and and do these things, and we're not going to talk to them about any of this stuff, but we also don't want the world to talk to them about it, right? We'll just kind of all leave a a book that was written in the 1960s out on the coffee table, and they'll, hopefully they'll pick that up, you know, they'll they'll figure it out, you know, or they'll, they'll come ask me questions, right? Maybe God will bless them with a, you know, heathen uh, from a non-Christian family like I was who would be like, hey, can we go ask your dad this, you know, question? But for most of us, like, our kids are not going to ask us, right? And, and we have this approach to the world that is fortification. And what we do is we have a low view of the power of the Holy Spirit. When we fortify, especially when talking about sex, we have a low view of how God, through his spirit, wants to use his people to inform and redeem that which has been broken. Another approach is domination. In some ways, it's expecting a world that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit, to act as though they did. Right? A a ton of the approach to how we talk about um, engaging with, you know, sex education in schools and how we talk about this and has just been these like, it's a dogfight and how could these people think that? And we should just not, it should roll off our tongues, but not for the grace of God, so would I go. It's, it's, it is a, in that case, it is a low view of the need for the Spirit. Okay, a fortification has a low view of the power of the Spirit. A domination approach has a low view of the need for the Spirit. And then there's accommodation. And I believe this is a low view of the holiness of God. And to be fair, we've done this in both ways, the church historically, with, a, um, with an over-emphasis um, where, where marriage and sex are ultimate. And then if you don't participate in those things, then you are second-class citizen. That's an accommodation with the world. We're not countercultural in that way. But in the same way where marriage and sex are meaningless and it's all about personal preference and, you know, pleasure, we're also participating in accommodation with the world around us. So church, how do we counter culture regarding sex? 
think we recognize that we have settled. We have settled for such a low view of sex and relationships. So how do we counter culture? Through incarnation. Through, through telling a better story. Through living out the truer and better story of the world. By living in community. Our men's time earlier this morning, men of different ages, of different, of different stages of life, sharing with one another, talking about um, Pastor Marcus and, and Corey taking us to deeper places in our hearts and understanding ways we've resisted vulnerability and ways we've just We've, we've, we've settled. It means what would it look like if we lived in communities where we had radical grace, where again, it would, it would demand an explanation that people who have been abused and people in different relationships have perhaps been abusers, where people have experienced divorce, where parents who are out of touch with their kids and kids who are out of touch with their parents, where married couples without kids, where, again, kids without parents, where single people, single people who want to be married, single people who don't want to be married, single or married people with same-sex attraction and widows and widowers live in community together, experiencing, pressing into a radical love that has not been diminished to personal preference and pleasure, but is pointing to something so much bigger, to God, who is love, that would demand an explanation. That would be countercultural. Let's pray, press into, hope for Jesus to bring that kind of life among us. Lord Jesus, um, this has been a bit disorienting. Sex and sexuality has so invaded our lives, our homes, our worlds, our families, our culture, our schools, our hearts, our thoughts in broken ways. There is so much we take for granted, so much we assume, so much we overlook, so much that we as the church have perpetuated and failed in, not just the church, our church. And Lord Jesus, for those things we cry out, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, care for your sons and your daughters in this room, your image bearers who are not in this room. Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, lead us into a, a beautiful picture of who you are, of your creativity and your glory and your goodness and your diversity in union. Lord, lead us to see where we have gotten it so wrong, where we have settled Lord, I pray for healing and for hope for every one of us in this room. In your name we pray, amen.